Good morning and welcome. If you look up the word gospel, you would find definitions like good tidings, the absolute truth. Another, it is the old English translation of the Greek word meaning good news. The written accounts of the life and teachings of Jesus are also generally referred to as the Gospels. All of these definitions are correct. And the good news, or the good tidings, is the message that believers in Christ bring to a lost and dying world. We have just sung the beautiful old Gospel hymn entitled, Tell Me the Story of Jesus. I love the words in that. Tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. It truly is an old story. And it is the sweetest story that any human being could ever hear. It is a message that has eternal consequences. One of the followers of Jesus Philip was guided by the Holy Spirit to ask a question that ignited a a conversation with an Ethiopian government official. Philip asked him, do you understand what you are reading? Acts chapter 8, verse 30. The result of that question was that Philip shared the gospel with this man, and he was baptized and saved from his sins. Like Philip, We need to seize opportunities we encounter in the workplace, in the grocery store, in the neighborhood, to share the good news with those who do not know Christ. The goal of today's sermon is to address the topic, how to teach with patience and gentleness, and to reach out to others with the good news. First, let's talk about how not to teach others. And that is not having the attitude of winning religious arguments. Years ago, in the United States of America, debates in various places were held on religious doctrines and practices. These dates were advertised, and certain religious groups would have their champion meet another champion of their religious persuasion. The topics were pre-chosen on subjects like the necessity of baptism for salvation, or was baptism onto salvation, or could one be saved by praying the sinner's prayer? On this subject, there was usually discussion as to whether the Bible meant immersion, or was sprinkling also acceptable. Another topic would be on whether Christ was going to reign on earth for a thousand years before God burns the world and its works up. These debates always seem to end with both opposing groups going away thinking that their champion had won. Which reminds me of the Jewish Pharisees who often argued with Jesus about religious doctrine. They often posed hypothetical questions to him, trying to stump him, to catch him without an answer regarding their religious traditions. Today, in this world, there are many, many religious groups 
who teach religious traditions that cannot be found in Scripture. And Jesus spoke about these things in Matthew chapter 15, verses 6 through 8. And he tells these individuals, By this you invalidated the word of God for the sake of your tradition. Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts or the ideas of men. This verse is still very true today. When people believe doctrines that are established by men and not by God. I remember one man who was an instructor in a school of preaching that I attended, who, when he became a Christian, studied the Bible to win religious arguments. He said he won many battles and left his opponents lying in the dust, figuratively speaking. But he said he never won any souls in the process. It took him a while to realize that you can win the battle but lose the war. So we understand that the attitude of the teller of the story must be right before others will listen to the message. Therefore, let's concentrate now for the next few minutes on how to teach others. Listen to Peter's encouragement in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. Do you see that? Peter says that a believer is to be ready to give an account. An account of what? The hope that is within us. And how are we supposed to share that hope with others? Peter answers that when he says, with gentleness and reverence. Listen also to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. When you read that, I hope you see that that is to be a daily thing in a believer's life, that your light is to shine every day. It made me think of the shining of a light of miners who work underground. And when their worst nightmare occurs in a cave-in, they are trapped underground. The thing that they want most to see is a light from above because it means they have been rescued. Listen also to Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 28. Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy. And my load is light. Those who serve the living God need to understand the purpose of Christianity. It is not to win arguments. 
It is to win souls. In the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, Proverbs 11 and verse 30 says, He who is wise wins souls. And even if one is called upon to defend the truth of God's word, in the face of those who would try to turn people away from truth, remember, the proverb writer has also said in Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 1, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So now that we have established the manner in which one should teach, let's look at some examples of how others teach. The first, of course, is the master teacher, is Jesus. Remember that we just read in Matthew 11, verse 29, that Jesus, in describing his inner being, said that he was gentle and humble in heart. But in the Gospel of John, chapter 2, verses 24 and 25, it says, But Jesus, on his part, was not entrusting himself to them, for he knew all men. And because he did not need anyone to bear witness concerning man, for he himself knew what was in man. At times in the Gospels, you'll find that Jesus was very straightforward with the unbelieving Jews. For instance, in Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 to 12, as Jesus talks to the Pharisees, the religious leaders of his day, Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Therefore all that they tell you do and observe, but do not do according to their deeds, for they say things and do not do them. And they tie up heavy loads and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as a finger. But they do all their deeds to be noticed by men, for they broaden their phylacteries and lengthen the tassels of their garments. And they love the place of honor at banquets and the chief seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces and being called by men rabbi. But do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher, and you are all brothers." And do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. And do not be called leaders, for one is your leader, that is Christ. But the greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. Now Jesus instructs his followers here that they are to... Hold to the teachings of God's word and not follow these traditions. He follows this immediately by the eight woes, verses 13 through 36. And he says such things as people who teach their own doctrines. He calls hypocrites, blind guides, fools and blind men, serpents and vipers and sons of hell, directed at the Pharisees of his day. That sounds harsh, and it is pretty rough. But remember that Jesus knew these men who were standing before him. He knew their hearts. He knew their purposes. 
And I think the reason that Jesus was so straightforward was because he didn't want the believers of his day following these men and their religious traditions, which were vain and empty. The next example we look at is that of the Apostle Paul. And Paul also, as he speaks to the young preacher Timothy, as he cautions him about being a soldier of Christ, he speaks of the peril of apostasy or unbelief. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But realize this, that in the last days difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, and avoid such men as these. Strong words against false teachers, against those who would pervert the truth. But look at another side of Paul. Look at how he encourages those who believe. He was very, very gentle with them. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, Paul says, For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. But after we had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi, as you know, we had the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God amid much opposition. For our exhortation does not come from error or impurity or by way of deceit, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts. For we never came to you with flattering speech, as you know, or with a pretext, for greed God is witness." Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, even though as apostles of Christ we might have exerted our authority. But we proved to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Paul was very gentle with these individuals who believed, like a nursing mother with her children. Let me give another example of a man I knew from the past, a man by the name of Percy Keene, who was a teacher at White's Ferry Road School of Biblical Studies. He was a very humble, unassuming man. There was not a mean bone in his body. There was nothing flashy or flamboyant about this Christian gentleman. He always seemed to speak in the same quiet tone of voice. He had a great deal of wisdom, and when he spoke, you listened, because his words had the ring of truth. Another gentleman by the name of Bill Smith, an excellent teacher and preacher of the gospel. When Bill preached God's word, you lost track of time, because as a listener you were somewhat spellbound, because he made the word of God live. I'd like to briefly share my story 
and how I was taught, how I was converted to Christ. When I was in my early 20s, my father-in-law was converted. And after he was converted, he urged me to listen to some preachers from the Brandon Church of Christ. Now, there had been quite a change in his life, which had become quite evident for all to see, because his light for Christ was shining. So on the long weekend of May 1973, I heard the first gospel sermon of my life. After that sermon, I asked a question that I had thought about from an early age. What happens to a person after they die? So these gentlemen, Fred Sizemore, Ronnie Greenhagen, and Ronnie Cosby, those preachers from Brandon, came to talk to me. Fred opened the Bible to Luke chapter 16 and read the account, the true story, of the rich man and Lazarus. I said, I don't want to end up like the rich man. What do I have to do? And so Fred again opened the scriptures about and showed me the verses about faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, about confession, about repentance, and about baptism for the forgiveness of sins. Together with my, my wife, we were baptized into Christ about midnight on May 20th, 1973. And what became true for us at that moment becomes true for all who obey the gospel. A fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 38, verse 17, that says one's sins are cast behind God's back. And Psalm 103 and verse 12, that says one's sins are taken as far as the east is from the west. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25, that God will remember one's sins no more. And here's one that's so beautiful, at least to me. Psalm 25 and verse 7, that tells us the sins of one's youth will not be remembered. As one thinks about that, I have to ask the question, who in their right mind would not want that? And so to wrap up, how do we reach out to others with the gospel? Well, Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Don't try to win religious arguments, but always, always, always stand for the truth and defend it with gentleness and reverence, as Peter instructs us in 1 Peter chapter 3. Know God's word and speak truth clearly and with conviction. Don't apologize for the truth. God's word can stand on its own. God says through the prophet Isaiah in chapter 45 verse 8, The word of God stands forever. We are mere sowers of the seed, and we never know what the harvest will be for the message that we speak to others. 
Again, Isaiah 55 and verse 11. So shall my word, this is God's word, so shall my word, which goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. The light of individuals like Percy Keene, Fred Sizemore, Ronnie Greenhagen, Ronnie Cosby, Bill Smith, the Apostle Peter, the Apostle Paul, shone brightly while they were on this earth. All of these men that I have mentioned, with the possible exception of Bill Smith and Ronnie Cosby, who may still be with us, are now in the eternal realm. Their journey, their circle of life on this earth, now complete. Their lives made a difference. And though dead, they still speak. Hebrews 11, verse 4. And so will you let your light shine? Will you make the effort to share the gospel with gentleness and patience? Will you be wise and win souls? May God bless and keep each one of us through these difficult times.